Hi, and welcome to another episode of the MedTech Matters podcast, where we learn about someone impacting the medical device industry. I'm Sean Fenske, Editor-in-Chief of MPO and host of the podcast. Today, we're speaking with Chris Hagen, Vice President of the Global COVID-19 Task Force and Marketing for Beckman Coulter. Chris, thanks for joining us. How are you today? Very good, and uh, thank you very much for having me on MedTech Matters uh, to speak with you today. Thanks for joining us. Um, but let, let's get right into it. Uh, you know, for, those, for anyone out there who's listening who doesn't know uh, what Beckman Coulter is, can you, can you just offer a brief introduction? Sure thing. So Beckman Coulter is one of the what I call big four global in vitro diagnostic manufacturers. So we've got over 11,000 associates kind of spread all around the world. And our diagnostic systems serve as uh, kind of a wide breadth of different laboratory diagnostic testing needs. So they can be found in maybe hospitals, reference labs, physician office lab settings. And you could think of these analyzers as being as small as a bread box in some cases, while other analyzers would be as large as your desk, right? And those are connected right. to kind of large laboratory automation systems where, in essence, a, a blood sample after being collected from a patient and once it's delivered to a lab is kind of ushered down one of our laboratory automation tracks to kind of the appropriate analyzer for all sorts of different tests that uh, might be run. So, for example, a physician who orders a high-sensitivity troponin test for a patient uh, in order to kind of help detect early signs of maybe a possible heart attack, right, or a physician right. who orders an HbA1c testing for kind of diagnosing diabetes or monitoring glucose levels. Those are, um, that's kind of the space that Beckman Coulter operates uh, within uh, today. So as, as everyone is well aware, uh, diagnostics ha had been and continue to be uh, a huge tool in, in battling the pandemic, battling COVID-19. Uh, can you offer some specifics on how Beckman Coulter specifically uh, has contributed or, you know, some of the action that, that the company has taken, some of the products, you know, things like that? Sure. So early on in the pandemic, hospital laboratories, you know, initially they saw a marked decrease in laboratory testing as Patients delayed kind of routine care visits, elective surgeries. Right, yeah. No one wanted to really be in and around hospitals. And then, <laughs> of course, as time began to pass, diagnostic companies like Beckman Coulter saw an opportunity to kind of jump in and help in the fight against COVID-19 through development of a myriad of different tests. So in particular, our initial R&D started with developing tests which were able to detect antibodies to the SARS-CoV-2 virus. And mm -hmm. these type of tests can help a clinician identify a patient who's been previously exposed to the virus. So that was kind of our, our first step in. And then we began to hear many stories of COVID-19 patients having to be placed on the ventilators. And so next we developed a test to detect the, what we call IL-6 or interleukin-6 levels, which can help clinicians identify a severe inflammatory response in a patient earlier. And then they're oh, wow. able to kind of treat it in hopes of avoiding intubation with that mechanical ventilator because that, that's their right. ultimate goal there is to keep them off the ventilation. And most recently, we actually developed and launched a new high-throughput antigen test to aid laboratories in actually diagnosing 
COVID itself in patients. So mm -hmm. over the course of the last year, I think I've, myself and our team have met with probably more than 100 health systems, kind of along with representatives from state and federal governments. And the challenges with being able to conduct mass screening became really clear to us. And first off, there was a shortage of PCR tests, right? And laboratories simply couldn't meet the demand associated with the weekly testing uh, of individuals who were wanting to return to work or return to school. And then mm -hmm. secondly, there was this workflow challenge that they were facing. So I think we've all heard of the many different types of point-of-care tests, which you can get a, a, a result on really quickly, right? So there's at-home tests, there's these what you call like lateral flow tests. But mm -hmm. in a university-type setting in which you want to test like the entire student body of some maybe 10 to 30,000 students on a weekly basis and be able to verify the results, it simply isn't practical for them to use these types of point-of-care tests always. So, you know, part of the problem is just administering all of those. And, and another one is, you know, they're kind of compelled to report a positive result. So you can just imagine the heartburn associated with manually submitting all the students who tested positive, uh, which they've got to submit to the government. So we launched this high-throughput antigen test, which can be processed on our analyzers at about um, 200 of these per hour. And because that analyzer is wow. already tied into the LIS, the reporting of the positive patient result ends up uh, being automated. So we're excited about that test, and we think it can meet a big need uh, in kind of mass testing individuals and we're, uh, you know, while we all wait for vaccines to be fully deployed. So that's a little bit around to the myriad of products we've brought kind of uh, throughout the pandemic. Right, right. And and that automated system, is there, are there, would a lab have multiple of those units? Exactly. So we've got several different types of analyzers, some that are on a tabletop and some, like I said, that get, get to be about the size of a desk and, uh, in those large laboratories, or, or even if I think of a university laboratory, because a lot of university students, their healthcare is kind of tied to that local uh, university hospital. I know, I know mine was. That's where I got my student health insurance uh, back in the day. And so it's very easy for that university hospital to partner with the university. They can have an analyzer there in their hospital laboratory the university can take the students' uh, tests right there on campus, and then we're seeing them you know, literally just driving a golf cart in some cases across the street to the hospital laboratory delivering those tests, and then the university can uh, process those tests very quickly, and then they end up taking those test results and pushing them back to university officials, to the student themselves, to the government, if that student was in fact positive, and then they can kind of gather that student, put them in a, a quarantine dorm, and make sure that they uh, give that student kind of all of the care that they would need until they're no longer uh, infected. Right, right. Wow. And it's certainly helpful if that is, if, you know, much of that can be automated. Um, so, you know, one of the things that, you know, besides COVID-19 for the last 12, 14 months, the, the, one of the biggest words has been testing. Um, so with that kind of demand, what is it like for a company like Beckman Coulter to have to scale up manufacturing to meet that incredible demand for all the uh, COVID-19 diagnostics? Yeah, that was an incredible challenge. And 
if you go back to the beginning of the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic, before we were ever thinking of manufacturing new tests, we were first just trying to make sure our supply chain for all of our existing tests was solid. Right, so back then there were major disruptions taking place within kind of logistics and procurement channels. Travel was being kind of knocked down from country to country. And so we were not only reaching out to our own suppliers, but, but we were also having to confirm the viability of our suppliers, suppliers as well. And with kind of that as the backdrop, we started working on the development and scale-up of our COVID-19 portfolio. And mm-hmm. everything was sort of happening at a warp speed. So if you can imagine, we had teams working to make sure, you know, first we're making the right scientific decisions so that the tests that we're bringing to market is clinically relevant, right, and therefore helpful to the clinician. While at the same time we're doing that, our teams are then out trying to source the raw materials that will be needed to scale up manufacturing. So our R&D scientists are exceptional, but I suppose I describe it a bit like uh, being a baker, right? And that if you you might be able to make a really mean cake, but if you don't have the flour, I'd imagine you're going to be in some deep trouble. And so, of (laughs) course, it's not like we're the only company at Beckman seeking these raw materials. And just like everyone read about PPE, right, with face masks, visors, et cetera, the raw materials right. we needed to scale were also in really high demand across the different manufacturers. But our local team worked really hard on that challenge, and as a result of that now, we're able to produce 25 million of these tests a month. And then, of course, wow. more recently, the challenge has been figuring out, you know, how, now that we know how much we can produce, we've got to kind of figure out what should we produce, meaning what are the customers and the governments going to need and and then, of course, how do we keep ourselves ready to meet that need when different, uh, as that need pops up in different hot spots around the globe? So it's been quite a uh, right. experience to go through. And not only that, but obviously, as the vaccine rollout continues, which is a fantastic uh, thing, you, that also impacts the uh, amount of testing you need. I mean, just because you're vaccinated doesn't mean you shouldn't be tested, but at the same time, you probably don't you probably don't get tested as much with, you know, the vaccine as you would if you were without any sort of vaccine. So I would, I would assume that plays into it as well. Sure. You can think of that, I guess, like a, like a forest fire, right? You, you kind of, the vaccine helps you get control of the front line in kind of one area, but then you haven't kind of inoculated or you haven't vaccinated everyone. So then you have a hot right. spot kind of jump over here and now you need to rush to that area. And testing is one of the first lines of defenses in order to identify who has this. And so then you can do uh, contract tracing and begin to kind of clamp down on that. And that's going to be the environment that I think we're in for the next year. We've, we've had tremendous momentum here in the U.S. in particular with vaccine deployment. But that's been kind of in the adult populations. There's still that uh, younger population that are only just now beginning to get vaccinated, you know, if you're under kind of that 55, 65. And that'll go pretty quickly. But then you'll still have your K through 12 and younger children who uh, at this point aren't being vaccinated yet, right? So that will be the kind of the hot spots in the U.S. And then outside the U.S., I I think people are following pretty closely what's happening in India at the moment and 
different countries. Mm-hmm. So there'll continue to be a tremendous need there for diagnostic testing until the vaccine manufacturers can ramp up and manufacture enough to, to meet the entire global uh, demand, and that, that will take a while. So, so obviously once you got, you know, fully, fully rolling, you know, you're churning out, you mentioned 25 million tests, tests a month, I think you said, um, you know, now you've got an infrastructure of labs that would process the test. I don't know what their normal capacity is, but this, this seems like a lot of tests coming into, into labs. You know, uh, you know, you mentioned the, the automated system that, that you guys have, have put out there, but, you know, what is, the, what is the impact on the labs of all these COVID diagnostics uh, hitting, you know, rapidly and, and coming in? Um, and other than providing things like that, that automated system you, you discussed earlier, you know, are there ways that, that manufacturers like Beckman Culture could help those labs? Yeah, the, the testing, that kind of an, uh, increased testing, it initially created a tremendous strain on the healthcare system, on you know, laboratories, and I think the stories of long waiting times for test results are pretty well publicized now. Right. But diagnostic manufacturers like Beckman Coulter have continued to develop different types of tests, like with the high-throughput test that I mentioned, right, or there's the different point of care at home. And I think mm-hmm. each of these additional tests has the, the pressure or the impact of kind of relieving pressure from the system, right? Because now you have multiple tools that you can run at this with. So it's not just kind of hitting one space. And, and relieving that strain on the system is important uh, because our community of medical technicians, they were under tremendous pressure even before the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic. So 26% of them identified staffing as the number one challenge they were facing before COVID. And there was already before COVID a shortage of 8,000 medical technologists per year available uh, for hire. So as a country, we're going to need 13% more medical technologists by 2024, and yet we've got this big kind of shortage. So you can imagine that COVID really just exasperated that challenge for resources that that the uh, industry was also facing. But uh, I'd say the community of diagnostic manufacturers like Beckman Coulter, we're always innovating. We're talking with uh, those customers regularly, and it's our goal to help those laboratories Mm -hmm. process those patient tests more efficiently, right? So I can't solve the labor shortage, but if I can help them and we as Beckman Coulter can help them process those tests more efficiently within the lab, that kind of also relieves pressure. So you, you did mention the kind of automation system that I brought up at the beginning for the large laboratory systems. Well, we just recently launched a new medium-sized laboratory system. So this is, a, again, something not much bigger than a, than a desk here that can actually mm-hmm. now be fit into a medium-sized laboratory, and that will automate 70% of the pre-analytical work that a lab technician would be facing today when it comes to processing patient results. So wow. we recognize that if we can kind of eliminate that work for them, it provides them with even more time available and reduces the strain they're under further. And then it also allows them for 
And all of a sudden in their core lab, we started to automate that with them with something like this um, new DXA 5000 fit product that we, that we brought. Now all of a sudden I've got time to go over to the molecular lab where maybe a hospital is doing a lot of PCR testing. They can go over there and help out with that, right, because they don't have as much time spent in the pre-analytical work. So those are the kinds of things, and that's one example I give, but there's lots of examples across the different diagnostic companies uh, that, that they're all part of that kind of diagnostic family of companies that, you know, lots of examples of automation and innovation that they're bringing to help out the uh, laboratorians. Right, right. And I, as I understand, the, the federal government's even, even getting involved a little bit, no surprise there, um, that uh, they're, they're trying to in, increase testing capabilities. Can you, can you speak to that a little bit and, and what the impact is on uh, the testing manufacturers? Sure. I'd have to say that that's probably been one of the most exciting things is to see how the federal government's really taking bold action when it comes to expanding our national testing. So mm -hmm. as you covered in one of your previous con uh, podcasts, kind of early on in the pandemic, the first thing they did was to create that EUA pathway. And that had a tremendous impact by enabling manufacturers like ourselves to bring new innovative products to market more quickly, these tests. So that in itself gave us, uh, you know, manufacturers the permission and incentive to innovate, and that's led to the increased testing capacity that we see today. And as a result, diagnostic manufacturers in totality are able to deliver 350 million tests per month today, and that number is projected to increase to more than a billion tests by the time that we get to December. So that, that's the first thing that they did. And then wow. a more recent example would have been the release of their national strategy for the COVID-19 response and pandemic preparedness. And that's a document that they created for, you know, hey, here's our strategy how, for how we're going to go after this. And they outlined seven goals. And one of those goals, it was uh, goal number five was to safely reopen schools and businesses and travel while protecting workers. So mm -hmm. they, they said, here's what we're going to do. And then they subsequently followed that up with a notice to industry for an expansion of U.S. testing capacity using coordination hubs. So that was a request for information that they put out there to the industry. Uh, companies like ourselves and other kind of frontline testing companies saying, we want to expand this testing capacity uh, you know, the goal is to help reopen and keep open kind of all the K through 8 schools by establishing these coordination centers to organize laboratory testing networks so that we can increase our testing capacity. And I think that's a great example of federal government reaching out to industry to seek help tackling what is a really complex problem. If you just say that problem statement of how do we test, you know, every K through uh, 12 or how do we test universities, on a community-by-community community basis, that's a very difficult problem statement. So just the reaching out to the industry and saying, hey, come in and help us solve this problem together, I think right. that was a, another great example. And now we're hearing them begin to talk about you know, planning for how do we maintain our strategic stockpile right, of mm -hmm. diagnostic equipment and tests so that when these community outbreaks occur in the future, if a variant, you know, which we are pretty well uh, publicized again today, and these mutations occur, you know, let's 
spend time now thinking about how we kind of leverage our large diagnostic manufacturers that are part of our healthcare systems fabric to be ready to respond even more quickly in the future. So we're, um, again, I go back and say we're pretty excited at what we see government doing. And and speaking of the future, you know, obviously no one wants to. Every everyone would be very thankful to not face a pandemic ever again. I'm sure, but given you know reality of of how uh, you know human beings are and how viruses work, you know we need to we need to learn from this. So, what would you say for Beckman Coulter are the lessons learned? Uh, from the pandemic that you would be able to, as a company, carry forward? Yeah, that's that's a great question. We'll definitely take forward some of the lessons learned with regards to accelerating our innovation, for example. So our R&D team have brought products to market faster than I think even they would have believed they could. And there's no doubt that's been a learning experience for that uh, team. Um, it's been exciting on the inside to, to kind of watch them do that and, and partner with clinicians and understanding the science of the, the virus. So I, I think certainly we have and other diagnostic manufacturers have learned a great deal about innovating faster. Mm-hmm. I think another uh, probably learning that we'll take forward with us is the extreme importance of what we would call voice of customer. And, and that importance has just been reaffirmed through these experiences. So the ability to spend so much time with our customers, the doctors, the laboratorians, you know, on the phone, over these Teams events, it's all virtual now, right? And talking through what they're seeing as the pandemic unfolds in real time was incredibly mm-hmm. impactful. And it ended up influencing our product development strategies along the way. There were a lot of kind of really critical uh, scientific decisions that needed to be made by our research and uh, development team. And they were you know, on the phone talking with all those clinicians to make sure that they're developing the, the product that's going to be most clinically relevant. And then right. probably closer to home for us, I would say, as a diagnostic manufacturer, we've been reminded of a very important role that we play within healthcare at at um, Beckman, we kind of have this saying that we are committed to advancing healthcare for every person, but there's nothing like a pandemic and a whole plethora of new products which are brought to market to serve a critical need that'll really like, you know, turn that from a saying into kind of a way of life. So I think that experience is probably something that uh, we'll all carry with us as we go forward as well. So, but uh, yeah, there's no doubt been a lot of, lot of lessons learned. That's great. And, and you know, it's fantastic that a company like Beckman Culture can do so much and, and ramp up to that, that huge number of, of tests and, and meet the demand that was, that was so vital. Um, but unfortunately, that is all the time we have for this episode of MedTech Matters. I'd like to thank my guest, Chris Hagen from Beckman Culture for his insights and, and uh, you know, telling, telling a little bit about what it was like for a, a diagnostic manufacturer during the pandemic. And as always, I'd like to thank you, the listener, for, uh, for tuning in. So until next time, this has been Sean Fenske, Editor-in-Chief of MPO, saying thanks for listening. <laughs>